Hello, this is Pastor Ryan Clark. You are listening to a message from St. John's Lutheran Church in Buffalo, Minnesota. The Lord opened my lips and my mouth shall declare your praises in the name of Jesus. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, I was reading the newspaper. I was looking for a little good news and that's exactly what I found. As a man of great culture, I opened up straight to the sports section where I saw this headline. It read, Detroit dominates, wins NFC North title. Now that is some good news, am I right? I mean, who wouldn't love reading a headline like that? Unless, unless you just so happen to be a fan of the team that Detroit dominated on that day, I, I can't quite remember who that was, but... Uh, well, maybe if you're a fan of that team, that headline makes you a little sad. Maybe you say, hey, pastor, would you mind turning to another section in that there newspaper? Which is exactly what I did. After thoroughly enjoying this article, I turned to the weather section where I found some more news. The headline read, record-setting temps, 52 degrees. Remember a couple of weeks ago when Buffalo was basically a tropical paradise around Christmas? Now that was some good news. I mean, who wouldn't love reading a headline like that? Am I right? Unless, unless you're one of those people who actually enjoy the frigid, cold winter temps. Maybe you say, hey, pastor, I just bought a new snowmobile. I just bought some new ice fishing equipment. I haven't even gotten to use it yet. That headline makes me a little sad. Would you mind turning to another section in that there newspaper? Which is exactly what I did. I turned to that world news section, that international news section, where I saw some more incredibly good news. The headline read, strange star springs up over Bethlehem. Could there be a new king of the Jews? All right, well, I'll confess that was not a headline in the newspaper a couple of weeks ago, but that very well could have been a headline in maybe the Jerusalem Journal a couple thousand years ago. And for some people in our gospel lesson today who read that headline, that would have been incredibly good news. The wise men, those magi, they'd been waiting to hear that headline to follow that star for a long, long time. But for other people in our gospel lesson, King Herod, this was the worst of news. In fact, it says he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem along with him. Today, we're going to dig into that story of the epiphany of our Lord. That's what we're celebrating today, the story of the wise men, and we're going to talk about why that headline was such good news for the Magi, why it was such bad news for King Herod, and why this whole story is so newsworthy for you and for me. Let's dig into yesteryear's headlines right now, Matthew 2, 1, which says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, maybe you know a little bit about the Magi already. Maybe you say, Pastor, of course I know a little bit about the wise men. I've still got my nativity set set up. I don't have to take it down yet. 12 days of Christmas, don't you judge me. The wise men, the three of them, they're still sitting right there staring at baby Jesus. I know that song, We Three Kings of Orientar. I've sung it more then a time or two, I know a little bit about the wise men. Well, here's some breaking news for you. 
Most of what you think you know about the wise men is actually what I would call fake news. In fact, that entire title of that hymn, We Three Kings of Orient Are, it is patently false. If you go back to Matthew to our gospel lesson today and look at the word they use for the wise men in the original Greek, it's the Greek word magoi. And this always referred to a class of Gentiles who were Babylonians or Persians. And the Babylonian and Persian empires were located near modern-day Iran and Iraq. So these guys are not coming from the Orient. They were advisors to the king in the Babylonian and Persian empires who were interpreters of special signs and dreams. They weren't kings themselves, simply advisors to the king. And history tells us they would have traveled in rather large groups. This group that followed the star to Jesus, there was probably a dozen or more of them. So on Epiphany, we should never be singing We Three Kings of Orientar. If you want to sing something that's a little bit more appropriate, you should be singing the ditty, We Twelve Special Advisors to the King from the Persian Empire. Sorry about that. It doesn't quite roll off the tongue like the other one does, though, does it? Now, a good question to be asking at this point, and good for you if you're asking this question, is this. Why were these Gentile magi from Persia interested in the king of the Jews? The wise men, they practiced a religion called Zoroastrianism. Doesn't matter really what that is. It's not Judaism, though. Why were they interested in the king of the Jews at all? Well, if you've read the book of Daniel lately, you might know exactly why they were interested in the king of the Jews. In the book of Daniel, we get this really bombshell news story that tells us why the Magi were following that star. It's the story of King Nebuchadnezzar, who is king of the entire Babylonian empire. In Daniel 2.1, it says, in the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, may the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. That took a dark turn at the end, right? So in our story here, King Nebuchadnezzar, who ruled about 600 years before Jesus would walk the earth in the Babylonian empire, he has himself a little nightmare, right? And he calls in a group of his special advisors to help him interpret it, this dream. The magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and astrologers. Now he wouldn't have said, go get me my magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and sorcerers. No, he would have referred to that collective by one simple term. He would have said, go get me my wise men. Or if we were to translate the original Hebrew of the Old Testament into Greek, go get my mag. Now, those wise men, the magi, they're in a little bit of trouble, aren't they? Nebuchadnezzar says, interpret my dream, tell me what it is and interpret it, or else I'm going to have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. They are a little in trouble, aren't they? 
They have been asked to do the impossible. But what is impossible for men is entirely possible for God, isn't it? And there just so happens to be someone present that can help do exactly what the Magi need. You've heard of Daniel before, right? You know the story of Daniel and the lion's den. But that's not the only story of Daniel in the Old Testament. He just so happens to be in Babylon when this whole thing occurs. He is in exile, taken out of Israel, taken out of Judah, ripped from his homeland, and taken as a slave to Babylon. But he just so happens to be there, and guess what he does? He gets an audience with Nebuchadnezzar. He tells him not only what his dream was, but he interprets it. And King Nebuchadnezzar, he's pretty pleased with this whole thing, isn't he? In fact, as Daniel 2 ends in Daniel 2.48, it says that Nebuchadnezzar did this for Daniel, that he made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Do you think after all of this that the wise men might have had a pretty positive view of Daniel? Do you think they might have listened when he talked? Do you think they might have listened when he talked about the Old Testament scriptures? Do you think they might have remembered when Daniel told them verses like Numbers 24, 17? A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. Do you think they remembered when Daniel told them verses like Isaiah 9, 2? The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. They would have remembered those verses and a myriad of others that talk about a star that will lead them to the king of the Jews. They would have passed those verses down to their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren. And those magi throughout the generations would have been waiting expectantly for that star in the sky. They are totally ready for it when that star actually is in the sky because they remembered Daniel. And like I said, they would have been looking for that star. And in our story today, they follow that star all the way to Jerusalem. And when they get to Jerusalem, what do they do? They go straight to the palace because at a palace is where you find a king. But they don't exactly find the king they're looking for. They find King Herod. And like I said, this whole story, this headline, incredibly bad news for him. In fact, it says he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem along with him. Why is this headline so upsetting for King Herod? Well, here's a news flash for you. In case you didn't know, Herod, not a good guy. You can tell just by looking at him, right? That is not a nice guy right there. Not at all. He ruled over the province of Judea for about 36 years from 40 B.C., to 4 BC. And like I said, this is a very, very evil man. There was a saying in the province of Judea at that time that it was better to be Herod's pig than his son, that it was safer to be Herod's pig than his son. Why was that a saying? Well, this is a man that's so evil that he had three of his own sons murdered. He had his own wife murdered. Why would he do something like that? He thought they were threats to his power, to his throne. And guess what this very, very evil man who was willing to do whatever it took to keep power, guess the name he liked to go by. 
he loved to be called the King of the Jews. Now imagine how he felt when the Magi show up on his front step and say, hey, we're here looking for the King of the Jews. Oh, not you. Another King of the Jews. No, 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 this was not good at all. He's the star of the show, and he's not about to follow some other star. And he's going to do what he has to do to neutralize the threat to keep power. And so he has a little powwow with the wise men. He calls them in to the throne room, and he says, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Wink, wink, right? He is looking for Jesus to take him. Now, thanks be to God, this is a story of a lot of dreams, right? And the Magi, they're warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. And so as Herod exits this whole story, he never finds Jesus. And in fact, history tells us that he dies bitter and alone. But the wise men, those Magi, they do find Jesus. They follow that star all the way to Bethlehem. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And in that little line there, it kind of points to how much time has gone by since Jesus' birth. They don't call him a baby. They call him a child. He's not in a manger. He's in a house. But the wise men, they find him nonetheless, and they do what we should all do when we encounter Jesus. They bow down and they worship him. And after worshiping him, they present him with those gifts they're so famous for, the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And these gifts are absolutely perfect. These gifts point to who Jesus is and what he was on earth to do. The gift of gold, what else do you give a king? It's a gift fit for a king, and Jesus is the king of kings. They give him the gift of frankincense because Jesus is the great high priest the one who's going to intercede permanently between God and man. And in the Old Testament, the priests would go into the temple where they'd burn frankincense as a way of interceding between God and man. And they give him the gift of myrrh. Myrrh was a sap taken from certain trees in the middle, of, in the middle East that they would melt down into an oil, and then they would use that as an embalming agent for the dead. And this myrrh, it points to the fact that Jesus was going to die. And we know that's how this story goes, right? He dies on the cross after living a perfect life. He dies on the cross anyways. Why, oh, why would Jesus do something like this? It's pretty simple, actually. He loves you. He understood that there was some bad news that was going on in your lives that he wants to turn into incredibly good news. The bad news, you hear it every single week. All have sinned and fall short. The Bible says that, and it also says the wages of sin is death. Everyone here is a sinner. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. And sin has consequences. The wages of sin is death. And that's not just talking about an earthly death. That's an eternal death, eternal separation between you and God. But thanks be to God for the good news that Jesus Christ brought. The wages of sin may be death, but the Bible also says the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is what his life is all about. Dying on the cross to forgive your sins, paying the price 
that you owed, removing the separation that was between you and God, and now you can follow the star to God each and every day throughout all eternity. You get to spend time with God. You get to follow the star to him and worship him. And those gifts, they point to that. They point to the fact that you had a king of kings, lord of lords, a great high priest who was willing to die on the cross just for you. And after the wise men give Jesus those gifts, it says they return to their country by another route. And that's not just some throwaway line in the story. It points to the most newsworthy thing in this entire gospel lesson as far as I'm concerned for our purposes today. There's a lot of good history you can take away from this sermon, but far more important is that you take away our very important point. Following the start of Jesus and worshiping him will bring you good news. It will change you. Make following that star your top priority. You have every opportunity to do just that. In our story today, there are two groups of people. On one side, we have people, the Magi, who followed the star to Jesus. They worshiped him. They received good news and their lives were changed. On the other side, King Herod. And King Herod, he doesn't want to follow the star to Jesus. Remember, he is the star of the show. He wants to follow the star of self rather than follow the star to Jesus. And at the end of the story, he is absolutely unchanged. And even though he knew all the same verses that the Magi, that those wise men knew, he doesn't follow the star to Jesus. And like I said, history tells us that he dies bitter and alone. And frankly, it appears that he dies unforgiven as well. But those wise men, they encounter Jesus and they return to their country by another route because when you go to Jesus, you will leave differently than you arrived. That is a promise. Those wise men, they came to Jesus, practitioners of Zoroastrianism, a false religion, and they leave forgiven followers of God. They are changed. And we have every opportunity to be changed as we meet with Jesus each and every day. God wants you to meet with Jesus. He wants you to follow the star to where he is. And he makes that star pretty obvious. There are places that the Bible tells us over and over again where we can meet with Jesus each and every day. One place is in his word. We can meet with him in prayer. We can meet with him in worship like we're doing right now. We get to meet with him in the Lord's Supper right after this. And when you meet with Jesus, it will change you. It'll change your day, week, month, and year. When you meet with Jesus, it gives you wisdom and guidance. It gives you purpose in life. It reveals to you the purpose that God has for you. You'll come away with more faith and hope that God is working things for your good and for the good of his people. You'll be able to see things better in your life like Daniel saw in his life. Daniel went through all those incredibly hard times, exiled as a slave to Babylon. And yet look what God was doing through his life as he met with Daniel. He was working things for Daniel's good and for the good of his people and for the good of his only son. And as we meet with Jesus, we will always receive good news. We will receive the grace and forgiveness that we need each and every day. 
My prayer for you this week is simply this. May you follow the star. May you spend time with Jesus and watch as it changes your day, week, month, year, and your life. May you do this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from St. John's Lutheran Church in Buffalo, Minnesota. If you would like more information about St. John's and any of our ministries to our community and beyond, you can go to our website, www.stjohnsbuffalo.org. Thank you and God bless you.